Hey guys, Jane P. Wright here, and I just want to really talk about mental health. Mental health has had such a negative attachment to it for so long that I'm happy that in these present days, um, people are starting to recognize how important taking care of yourself is, how important recognizing um, the issues, getting help when necessary, finding different coping mechanisms. For me, as a black woman and not to make everything about race and ethnicity and things like that but um we from my own personal perspective mental health has been non-existent for me or for us for some reason there's this expectation of the world to be just strong to just be all right to just push through one of the things i pride myself on is resilience I feel like no matter what has happened to me, no matter what I've experienced, any challenges, I've always been able to push through and bounce back. When it comes to mental health, me personally, I deal with um, anxiety and I deal with different, um, I don't want to say different levels of depression, but maybe, you know, I get this general depression And it hits me so hard sometimes that I can't really function as my normal self. You know, Um, it's not bad to the point where I don't want to live. You know, I I think about taking my own life, but it gets to a point sometimes where I just exist. I don't really live. I'm so exhausted and um, I have a lack of appetite. I have a lack of interest in the things that I know that I love. So that's usually like one of the signs. Um, I'm a creative, I'm a writer. So, you know, when I start to feel discouraged or lack of motivation or just no interest in my writing, my art, my, you know, poetry, I know that that's when it's starting to creep up on me. And then another sign that I've realized is that I just get super tired. I could sleep for eight hours and wake up and still feel drained. I have no energy. Um, You know, I lack enthusiasm about things that would normally make me really happy. So when it first started happening, I I didn't know what was wrong with me. I said, something is wrong with me. Like, what the hell? Like, get it together. You know, I tried to give myself the pep talks and affirmations and all those things. And when that didn't work, I started to feel bad. I started to feel like. You know, why am I behaving like this? Why am I doing this? This is pointless. This is senseless. I don't have time. That was the biggest thing. It was, I don't have time in my life to be depressed, to be anxious, to be sad. I don't have time. Life for me can be so overwhelming or so busy or so I'm I'm needed to the point where I couldn't care for myself. I would say, you know, if I was having a really bad day or feeling really down, I would be confused about why, you know, that was happening. But then I would have to put it on the back burner. I would still have to get up early in the morning and get my kids ready, get myself ready, get to work and smile and, you know, be the me that they expect me to be. I still had to go and leave work and rush to class. And then sit in class and try to retain information that I know I needed, but my mind was just so gone that it was seeming like it was impossible. 
Then I had to go home or pick my kids up and it's late. So I'm drained. Then I have to feed them, bathe them, get them ready for the next day. You know, and then I would just sit there at my desk just thinking and just I would be so far in my head. And I knew like I couldn't keep going on like this. I wasn't sleeping. I wouldn't sleep for two and three days at a time. And then when I crashed, it was just like nothing I could do. I would just be out, which means that I couldn't be a mother, an employee, a friend. I couldn't be any of the other me's that I needed to be because my body had finally taken over. So I dealt with this for a long time. I just kept trying to say, you know, this is something created by society. This is it's nothing wrong with me. I need to stop being so pessimistic. And, you know, I kept trying to smother the problem with excuses and I didn't want to deal with the reality. But then it got so bad to the point where it made me physically sick. I was physically sick and tired and I couldn't eat and I was losing weight and I was just had shut down. I was like a shell of myself. And I said, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see somebody about this. And I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to tell my friends. It was kind of just like, let me try to deal with this and see what the outcome is. If I get better, then maybe I'll feel more inclined to share my story or express myself or let my family know what's going on. The final straw was, you know, me getting to the dark place and then me having an anxiety attack. I was laying in bed one night and I woke up grasping at my chest. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe and the tears were just pouring from my eyes. And I felt so overwhelmed and I felt confused and I didn't know what to do. I thought that I was having an asthma attack because I do have asthma. So I thought, you know, maybe that's what this was. But none of the signs for asthma was there. Sure, my chest was tight. Sure, I had a lack of air. But it seemed to me that I knew that I would be okay, but I still wanted to be in fear for the moment, if that makes sense. And I had to lean, get up and, and, and put my head all the way down to my knees and take long, slow breaths. And then I had to will myself. It was like I said the same thing over and over and over again. I said, calm down. It's going to be okay. Relax. You got this. Calm down. It's going to be okay. Relax. You got this. I mean, I was literally chanting for my body to restore itself back to a calm state. And this was one of the worst ones that I had had. I had had them before. I remember being at work one time and I was so overwhelmed. I hated my job and I was so overwhelmed that I literally went to my car and I cried and I cried. And it was one of those gut wrenching like you lose air, you choke. I mean, I cried and that has seemed like the only thing for me to do. If I didn't do that, I was probably just going to lose my shit in front of all those people who expected me to hold it together. I was going to look like a crazy, out of control black woman. I was going to look like everything that they wanted to paint me out to be. So going to the car was like my only option. I had to make up an excuse saying I was sick. And I just needed to go down to the pharmacy and grab something. And once I got done crying and heaving and, you know, just being aspirated, I pulled down the visor. I remember pulling down the visor 
in my car. And I looked at myself. And I looked a fucking mess. I looked disheveled, distraught. I had tear stains and still fresh tears running down my face. My eyes were bloodshot red and they were barely open. My hair was all over my head. I had really lost my mind. And I told myself, right there in that car, I said, this was it. This is the final straw. I don't ever want to look like this, behave like this, or feel like this again. So I ended up taking off the rest of the day. They were fine with it. You know, they didn't know what was really going on. And I remember going home and I ran me a bubble bath and I laid down in that tub. And I felt like that was all I I wanted to do. I had no purpose for anything else. So I laid there for a while and I just prayed. And I talked to myself and I prayed and I just spoke out loud saying, why is this happening to me? Is this normal? Should Should I be ashamed? Should I really be talking to somebody about this? What are my kids going to think? What are my family going to think? How is the perspective and the view of me going to change? And that was probably more damaging than anything. I didn't need to beat myself up anymore. So once I got out of the tub and I wrapped up and I laid in my bed for a while, I said, let me call my doctor. And I called and it, it took so long for them to pick up that I, that I said, I just, I should just hang up. You know, this is a sign. And when, right when I went to hang up, someone picked up the phone and they said, hi, thank you for calling, blah, 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 office. And they said, how can I help you? And I said, um, I gave them my name. And they said, well, you know, verify your birthday. I gave them my birth date. And they said, well, tell me what's going on. What do you need to be seen for? I said, I'm just really not feeling like myself. And I've been really overwhelmed and I've had a panic attack. And I really need to come in and see my doctor. And she was so nice and so patient. I didn't even feel any judgment. She said, let me look at the schedule and see what we have for you. And she put me on hold. And the whole time while I'm holding hold, my leg was shaking and tapping against the floor. I, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't want to be labeled crazy. I didn't want them to make a note saying she had something wrong with her. I was worried about all the wrong things. So when she came back and she gave me an appointment for the next morning, I said, okay, I accepted it. So when my kids came home that day, I said, you know what? They don't deserve to see me like I have lost my mind. They only know me one way. And they expect me to lead them, to guide them, to love them, to promote them, motivate them. So I told myself, I said, I'm going to hold off on being how I really wanted to be for just one more night. You know, so that when I finally went to the doctor and I told him what was going on and he stopped because I started crying. I, for some reason, I felt ashamed. I felt so much shame. Here I was supposed to be the strong woman. Everybody always told me how strong they thought I was and how resilient I was and how they looked to me, you know, for support and guidance and mentorship. And here I was crumbling and cracking. So, you know, I had to really deal with that shame it was like you know how can people see you as this one person they put you on this pedestal and you can't live up to it 
But when I got there and I was crying and he noticed, you know, that I was really suffering, he said, stop. You are being so hard on yourself. Nothing about what you told me has changed my perspective about you today. And it doesn't make me think that you're any different from the person that I already know. He said, you're dealing with something that's very common and even more so common for black women. He said, I don't know your whole struggle or anything that you've been going through or your challenges, but life can be hard and life has been hard for a lot of people. And I just stared at him and I, I just tried to really listen to what he was saying. And I just said, life was fucking hard for me at that time. I'm just, a, I'm a single mother with two kids paying all the bills, working over 80 hours, trying to get my education trying to still be a lover and be in a relationship, trying to still be a friend, trying to do all these things that I felt was necessary. It was like, it was what I had to do. So this is a part of my purpose, you know? So I was really taking it hard and I was really being hard on myself. So he prescribed me some medicine. I think it was like Pusaprone, um, And it was a very small dose. And he said, let's start with this. But what I really want you to do is you're a writer. I want you to write, write how you feel. Write like you know no one is ever going to see this. So that way you're not going to be worried about any judgment. You are going to express yourself completely, truthfully, honestly, fully. And I said, okay. So I left and I went and I got me a journal from TJ Maxx. And I opened it up and I said, I started writing. And I'm just like, hey, today is just not a good day. And it hasn't been a good day for a while. And I sat there and I said, no, I need to be more genuine. And I really wrote exactly what was on my heart and my mind. And that became my coping mechanism. So I was so along with the medicine. Yeah, I took it once a day. And then when I went back in a month, I felt like that wasn't enough. I said, I'm still restless. I'm still sad. You know, other things had improved, but I was still feeling not like myself. So I ended up switching it to two times a day. So I'm taking my medicine, I'm coping, I'm trying to be more optimistic and positive. I'm trying to see, you know, how I can best serve myself and also my family, my duties. And it just really helped me out a lot. My writing really helped me out a lot. But what I learned is that, you know, people don't believe that they need help because getting help means that something's wrong with you. It means that you're inadequate in some way. It means that you're not the person that people think that you are. And that's the first thing that's false. You are still you. Sometimes life events happen and things happen and it really takes a toll on us. You know, we have children and postpartum depression is another big one. But we also have these these expectations of ourselves, especially if you're a first time mother, it's like, Am I doing this right? Is my child safe? Is my child satisfied? Am I being a good mother? So, you know, we have those pressures. And then even if you're not a first-time mother, you are, if you're a mother in general, you are trying to lead by example. You're trying to put your best effort out there. You are trying to give your kids everything you never had. You are trying to set them up for the best possible life that they can have. And this can feel like a burden for the one time that you can't provide for them. It crushes you. You don't understand why you can't do the things that you promised them that you could do. And then we have work challenges. 
you are some some of us are were stuck in dead end jobs. We were stuck in jobs where people around us were so nasty and negative. We weren't happy with what we were doing because it wasn't our passion. It wasn't what we dreamed we'd be we've been doing, but it was kind of like a um like a you had to do it because you needed to get paid. You had to pay bills, life still went on. Some of us had educational challenges. This is just like this is too much. This is too hard. I'm not motiv- motivated enough to to put the effort and to do the work that I know I can do. I'm no longer interested in this this field, but I've taken so many classes that I'm stuck. Or I can't afford this education. So I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul to get something that's, that may not even guarantee me a good job in the end. And then other we, we other of us were dealing with relationship issues. We are in relationships. We were in relationships with people who are just no good for us, who drained us, who took all of our energy. They confused us about our purpose. They made us feel lost and confused. But we felt obligated to be there because that's what society said we needed to do. That's what social media said we had to do. That's what our families expected from us. You know, we were just in these dead end things. And it was causing this anxiety to build. And we didn't even know it. We were just coping and and just riding the wave until it would eventually let us off. Not knowing the damage that it was really doing to ourselves. I say all this to say that anxiety and depression is real. It's real in the black community. It's real for black women. And it's real for people in general. If you have an issue, if you feel unlike yourself, if you notice that you're not interested in the things that make you genuinely happy, you shy away from people, you always feel thoughts of unhappiness or unworthiness, or you just don't feel good enough. These are some of the signs. And you have to take that first step and say, you know, I want I, I want more. I want to, to be better, to feel better. I want to get back to the old me, to the me that I loved, that I cherished. I don't want to be insecure, scared, paranoid, tired, sick. I don't want to be that me anymore. And then you have to take that next step to decide how are you going to handle it? Are you going to go to the doctor? Are you going to speak to a therapist? Are you going to be prescribed medication that's going to help you along the way? Are you going to find other coping mechanisms such as yoga or meditation are you going to speak with family and friends? Are you going to do research? Are you going to, you know, it's so many different ways we could go about this. But once you realize that it's real, that it's nothing, it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing that tarnishes your character or reputation. If you really feel burdens start to live off your shoulder because we are our own worst enemies. We put the most pressure on ourselves. But for some reason, when it's time to get help, we are the last ones to do it. So... For the girl who writes, for those who read, I hope that you enjoyed the segment. I feel like talking about real life things is exactly what we need to do. It won't always be this serious, so I don't want to scare you away. But I felt like that was a good topic to touch on. We have some good stuff coming down the pike. And I hope that you'll continue to join us on it. For the girl who writes, for those who read, Jamie P. Wright signing off. Love you guys.